Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is. Boy, I just I can't get enough of that jingle, Greg. I love that jingle, right? I know, it keeps going. It's great. And can we just again have a moment of appreciation for Andrea, who I think helped pull it together? She did the whole thing. Yeah. It was it was great. Wonderful. Um how are you? Andrea Appreciation Hour. I am great. Uh, yeah. I'm great. It's a beautiful sunny day in Palm Springs. Um, I went out um, a, a little earlier this morning and had a little walk downtown, mm-hmm. um, which I needed. Needed to just get out of the house a little bit. So I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's beautiful up here. It is 79 degrees in Seattle today um, with a slight breeze from the west. And... Well, um, it's only 108 in Palm Springs. <laughs> I say that as if I'm being facetious, and I'm not, because I will tell you, 108 does feel different than 115, which is what yeah. it was last week. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, welcome back to the Closer to the Hundreds. Thank you. It's nice to be closer to 100. Yeah. Um, and, well, listen, we were we were just having a great chat just before we yeah. hit the record button, and I wanted, and we thought, you know, let's let's continue this. And this is something that I think you are quite the expert in, mm-hmm. um, but I think we all have some experience with this. And mm-hmm. it, it is, listener, I know we are typically talking about food, where there will be some food discussion today. But today, yes. Greg, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about egos. Egos. Yeah. Really? Is that? Yeah, and that those are those little waffles you put into the. They are ego waffles, yes. Yeah, uh, and you with butter and see, we knew we'd made a make a food connection. delicious. No, we're going to talk about uh, the way that we that ego is a word that stands in, and we'll talk about what it means, but very often for the way that we protect ourselves. Huh. Ego is a defensive uh, technique, very very effective in most humans um, for keeping ourselves emotionally and psychologically safe. And how did you how did you first get interested in learning about this? Like what 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 prompted you to want to learn about the ego? So I uh, that's a great question. So many, many years, many, many years ago, not that many, in the 90s, I was the director for a summer camp for children with learning disabilities and behavior mm. disorders, including attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, which was all mm. all the rage back then, uh, still is, uh, and I don't mean to to diminish it by describing it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, what was true of the children that I worked with during that time is they, for because of the of the life history they'd had up to the time that we got to work with them, they were pretty good at manipulating adults. Now, many mm-hmm. children, most children, it could be argued, have some skill at adult manipulation. It's literally how children meet their needs in many cases. And so it's a skill that I think is better to be honed than to be um, extinguished. But mm-hmm. what these kids were very often good at were sort of getting behind that defensive ego of the staff that I was training and triggering it. And, and the result would be uh, that the staff would, would have a reaction to that camper, to that kid that was um, defensive rather than productive. So then the example I use all the time is that in correcting a kid's behavior, if I'm gonna say like, hey, Jonathan, you know, I don't wanna see you doing that again, your response becomes, yeah, Greg, but you know what? If you could get a real job, you wouldn't have to be dealing with me here at all, right? So, <laughs> so there, there's a there's a potential defensive response there, which is I can get any job I want. And in that moment, of course, I've lost any kind of productive interaction with the kid. So, right. so I learned that and that dynamic 
which is one of the things that got me to want to study psychology. And so my bachelor's degree and my master's degree are both in psychology. So learned a lot more hmm. in my study of psychology and then my subsequent work in social services and mental health. But it really came from some of those very practical times at, at you know, learning how to be effective in that interaction uh, with a kid. So. Wow, that's fascinating. And so you, well, first off, your ability to 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 handle people with AD, ADD and ADHD certainly um, brings to light why you and I get along so well. But <laughs> also the, that you have, but you had this experience, and then uh, because you, you you use this as a as an example, and I just have to feel like somebody said this to you that if you could get any job, so this was an actual response from one of your, oh, gosh, your yes. campers. Oh my yeah. goodness! Uh, the other one, by the way, the classic one for me, and what was it, what was interesting for me at the time was. Uh, so then you start, if you, if you practice this, you start to recognize a disproportionate response, um, fat jokes. So yeah. I've always been, you know, a more full figured human, uh, than perhaps is average. My doctor wishes that were less so, uh, and has for a long time. Um, and so I had a lot of insecurity as a lot of kids do about being the fat kid mm -hmm. uh, when I was growing up. And, and that becomes so deeply rooted that uh, when, a, you know, when in this case, a kid would, would say, um, you know, make some, well, gosh, we're all going to go hiking later, but fat guy like you probably can't handle it, can you, right? So Thanks. really kind of going for that, that, again, behind the defense, like get in behind the shield and hit a sensitive spot. Um, and so the interesting thing about coming to terms with that is I had to first recognize that I was being manipulated. This was an attempt, this kid wasn't, this kid wasn't angry at me. Kid wasn't mean, wasn't a bad kid at all, but, but was looking for a way to get me off of his back and it worked. So I have to first recognize that I'm being manipulated and second, come to terms with that, come to terms with like, yeah, I am heavier than the average American male of my age. And uh, as a yeah. result, that's gonna incur, you know, yeah, nah, 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 nah. so um, it's an interesting bit of self-work uh, to be able to show up that way. Um, and it's not always successful. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. Like if, if I, I still get triggered, <laughs> my gosh, if some, if somebody, especially a kid, you know, not that you would demand respect as an, as an elder, an adult, even in, in the scenario or somebody who is in that position of mm -hmm. some, some kind of authority yeah. that you demand it, but then a little, a little night, you know, a, a little, tip of the hat, like, okay, yes, you, you, you know, I'm going to be nicer to you because you have, you're a staff member or you're an adult. Yeah. Um, what, how did you react? Did you learn, did you not react well, but. Oh, I reacted horribly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. So in that moment, I, funny, our brain, our brains, you know, our brains don't love us all the time. So my brain is right. tossing up all these examples of when I handle it badly because there are plenty. Um, so there's a, there's that moment when when I would recognize that my reaction, like suddenly I'm angry, right? I'm having feelings that are not like directly related to this circumstance, right? So I had a kid who's acting out, and suddenly I'm angry. So that's that doesn't match, right? But it's not. But you know, the work becomes how long does it take between when I recognize this disproportionate response. Um, you know, this, this unmatched response to when I can take action on it, you know, and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, in the early days of, of recognizing this, um, for me, it might've been days, right? Somebody says like, look, I just asked you about the weather and you bit my head off. And sometimes, you know, and this right. is not an uncommon conversation in lots of relationships. 
And then I think about it that day or days later, and I think, yeah, like I was tired. I was whatever I was in some other way. I was uh, not where I wanted to be. And as a result, your question or your presence, frankly, just taking up space, um, triggered something out of proportion for the circumstances. And I reacted. Mm. And so uh, in that moment, <laughs> I'm sure when the kid told me I was fat, that was the deepest one. I mean, honestly, the, if you mm. could get a real job, that never bothered me too much. But the, um, the fat jokes, uh, I'm sure I turned red. I'm sure my fists clenched. Not like I'm going to hit a kid, but just of course. Know, tensing up. Um, and I'm sure that that was all visible and apparent to the kid. Um, I think I probably said something that was an attempt to be, if not productive, at least not destructive and then, and then removed myself from the situation. But I missed the opportunity to actually stay engaged with the kid at the time. Yeah. You know, and that's, that, that's a thing you, you went in for whatever the reasons were that you were drawn to that work but came what it sounds like you came out of it with a whole new skill set. Like, and maybe that was one of the reasons you're like, oh, I, I think I want to learn more about myself. I want to be challenged enough that I grow emotionally. Like maybe you went into a job. Yeah. I, I, I've never I personally gone into a job. I guarantee saying, you I did not go in with that, with that level of self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I was just thinking, I don't know that I've ever walked into a job going, I don't care about the pay. I'm here for the personal growth. Like I'm never. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually took that job primarily because I didn't have anywhere else to live and it offered lodging. Um, but you are correct. I, reason. I, I came over, you know, that this is the, this is why a lot of people I think go into studying psychology or, uh, into any kind of social service, but certainly studying psychology, uh, is they have a, this is true of me. They have a desire to know more about the workings of their own mind, the mm -hmm. workings of their own motivations and, and understanding more about why they behave the way that they do. That was a big driver for me going into that. Um, that educational program. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. in this program, in the, in the day to day of this program, working with these kids, um, you know, and I, I'm not a parent and I don't, I probably won't ever be. And you are, mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's something very humbling I found about working with children because all of my well-designed theories pretty much fell apart in the first 10 or 11 minutes. Um, of, of my first experience. And so, you know, you, you have to make it up as you go along. You know, that, and that, and that's it, right. It, it, when it comes to working with kids, because they're, I, I mean, there's a lot of imagination in a kid's mind, you know, we, we all have it yeah. still as adults. Um, but there's, but they, they don't necessarily have good tools yet for dealing with their own emotions. And so lashing out is a tool. Yep. and and striking out which is why and if i look back if if you know not that i, I actually didn't get bullied too much i i also moved to a place where everybody was pretty athletic and we had moved from alaska where everyone's about 10 pounds heavier or so and i so i was i was like 10 pounds heavier in like second grade than everybody else and it and i joined the swim swim club and it quickly went away but um but i remember like the comments and the and the things and the jokes behind my back and it was you know uh it was pretty horrible it felt pretty bad but you know you know i see those adults today um and they're all heavier than me and i I'm, i ridicule them mercilessly i'm so mean yes. no i don't i don't 
Because I've just held on to that for so many years. No, I don't do that. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I lost weight because of the the fierce burning in my soul of how angry I was. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's right. The fire in my soul actually burnt the calories. It was great. Um, that's that's a different story. Uh, but so go, so going back to ego. So then you, how did that change for you? How how then? So you learned so much from these. Then like how yeah. did is that? So that launched your passion around this this topic. It did. It, well, it launched my passion around mental health. I I would say I don't know the ego point specifically, but mm. the the fluidity of working in that setting. And what, and what I mean there is um, there's, there was you know, the, the exchange with a kid in the moment, or even with a parent, especially in the, in the last couple of years of, of that role, my job was to work more with the parents of these children who were, huh? were in camp with us and with the kids. And did, oh, parents, did the parents come to the camp as well? No, they didn't. Um, I but, but I would have conversations with parents about about a kid coming, you know, like, here's this kid that we have. In many cases, they struggle socially. In many cases, there's other siblings and, the, and they're, they're struggling there as well. And so the parents and I would talk about what this kid, what the experience this is, this kid that will happen during the camp season, and then how to bring the kid home, how to reintegrate. Like, here's what, you know, here's what the kid will experience. Here's how to do this. Yeah. And in all those cases, there's a fluidity to it that it means that I can't plan my answers. I can't plan the questions that I'll be asked. I can't plan the behavior that I'll be presented with. Um, so what that what I did learn from that, and this what's interesting is this took me into my my interest in in mental health um, and in psychology, and also into the work I do in corporate settings as a as a business leader is how to be as how, just how to be fully transparent, how to say in a moment like I don't know, I'm not sure about that you know, I, I can go and find out. Or, you know, when, when asked by a parent, you know, what's going to happen if this happens? What'll happen if this happens? Yeah. Being able to be knowledgeable and present and informed, but also say, I'm not sure. Here's what, what we'll do to kind of support that, but I'm not sure what that's going to look to be. Hmm. And that ability to be transparent and be present was probably what, um, not, it's funny, I don't know that I've thought about it this way, so I appreciate the question is probably what I took initially from that, um, from the beginnings of that experience was how to be just really fully present. And the mentor that I had, who was my, my boss as well, um, she, she was then and is now one of, the, one of the folks I think of when I think of someone who's able to be sort of fully present in a moment, like just completely present and available in a moment. Um, uh, watching her model that was a big deal for me too. Yeah, that, that's incredible. I, I want to go back to one point you said, because I do want to make a, a, a comment, at least that yeah. that you said how um, people who get into this kind of this line of work, psychology or or yeah. into into the, the healthcare, into the you know mental health care um, are doing so also kind of kind of their own self-discovery and expanding their understanding of why what their motivators are, maybe. Um, and first off, let me say for for any of the mental health care providers who may or may not be listening, if you get wind of this uh, and you hear this, thank you. Yes, um, it is tough, tough work, you know. And, and not that being a medical doctor, a physical doctor for the body is is easy. But you see a broken leg, you fix a broken leg. Yeah. But you see somebody who is struggling with something, and it is oftentimes layers and layers of work to get through to, to figure out where the source of that is. Right. Yeah. And, and we see mental health, the ravages of it in our cities, in our society, we see people, they, you know, they talk in Seattle and, 
and and in Portland and in LA about are there homeless problem. We again, I'll, and I've said this a hundred times, we don't have a homeless problem. We have a mental health crisis, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 the and it is it is showing itself through drug addiction and homelessness. So that's the that's the start, and and I think that is a, and I don't I, I don't want to say that it's necessarily there's oh this one country does a great job with mental health or this other country does much better maybe they do maybe others maybe others really really figured it out but we are such a diverse series of cultures that run in parallel not even that they melt together or they're a mixing pot but they certainly run parallel it's hard to say that there's one good way for us to deal with mental health so the challenge is huge and i really appreciate people who do this for a living um, and this goes out to my to my ex-wife who who is Bjorn's mother uh, is a is a therapist as is uh, my my sister Anna who is uh, a welfare worker and 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 sees patients and so uh, I couldn't do it so good, good for it's tough work and can yeah. be, it's very much for many people it's very much a calling which I deeply appreciate because um, that doctor fixing the broken leg um, is usually better compensated than the doctor who's peeling away the layers of someone's psyche for the purpose of helping yeah. them better in the world. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that work as well. Yeah, we just saw a, and, and I won't go off on a tangent, although I probably will, but we just saw the show um, on, I think it was streaming from Apple TV, I want to say, but it's called The Crowded Room. Mm. And um, the uh, the actors, you'll recognize all of them. Um, it is a based off of a true story of one of the first, one of the first cases, if not the first case where mental health insanity plea was this was in the 70s was uh actually won the case right so so they and and but it was this and, and that's that that's the out that's the shell of the story is that this this thing's taking place this young man's in prison and he has multiple personality disorder or something right so i'm not going to give the rest of it away great so that's my dog rudy if you can hear that <laughs> hang on a second hey buddy wake up that yeah. sounded like a ghost. It's exactly that's my ghost dog. Yeah, I just got ghosted right here, and I I, I just touched his paw, and he looks at me um, <laughs> like I've stolen his wallet. Like he's so upset. That was magical. Okay, we're gonna Sorry, keep that. Cut you off. The crowded room. It sounds really interesting, actually. It does. Yeah, and it's, it was a big emotional pull for Rudy, so you can tell. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, okay. Um, so 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 and so you, but you don't work in. The mental health arena you've applied this to your your work and you've worked in the tech sector for a very long time um, yeah i worked in the tech sector um but specifically uh in customer services so i've been a, a basically a, a departmental leader mm-hmm. for let's call it 20 years um and so you know worked in uh customer service i've led training teams i've led customer service contact centers i've led teams of instructional designers and so um in in that work um, the past 10 years or so has been in the tech sector, but the work has been similar in all those places. I, and as, as a, and not to interrupt too much, but as a, um, as a former customer support person myself, as an en- as support engineer, um, I will say that it is 50% armchair psychology when you are working with your angry customers to disarm that, uh, and to redirect it towards something positive. Yeah, that's real. And, and in fact, to, to exactly that point, some of what I've done with sort of with, with this, um, this appreciation or this orientation for this kind of work has been to help develop training on how to de-escalate situations when customer service agents mm. are 
customers on the phone, but also how to, how as a frontline manager to provide support to your customer service agent that just took, you know, five calls in a row where she got yelled at um, by, yeah. by, by angry customers um, and whether they were justified or not in being angry, certainly not justified in yelling. Um, and then how then do you provide support to that individual? So, you know, so in, in my experience and in my opinion, mental health is on a continuum and, you know, we all exhibit signs of depression and we all exhibit signs of borderline personality disorder and we all exhibit signs of lots of different um, uh, mental health problems. We just have them situationally. So we have them mm -hmm. for a couple of hours on a Tuesday and then we learn to, to live with it. It's when they start getting in the way of work and life that they become something that the mental health community starts needs to be engaged with. But prior to that, well-trained leaders, managers, parents, um, you know, school counselors, there's a whole raft of people involved in supporting us, supporting each other in, um, in, in how some of those situational things come up. So, so what ends up, so the piece that I'm working on right now from a leadership development perspective and some of the work that I'm doing is how to help uh, leaders, pe people who are uh, people leaders within organizations recognize when something gets behind that shield. So, Sorry. Uh, Hi. Okay. I heard a voice. We're, we're going to go back and we're going to cut that part out. Andrew just came okay. in and then cough, coughed everywhere. She's just decided. She goes, you know what? I'm choking and you're recording. Let me go in there. So it's, <laughs> let me just make that. Somebody need, I think someone needs some attention. Um, so uh, anyway, so um, here's the rewind sound. Okay. And you, you were saying um, about about you know the, the mental wellness and the in in your in and and promoting that within the tech sector. Yeah, and so so I've worked in the tech sector for about ten years, um, but I've worked in customer services and in people leadership for twenty maybe thirty years at this mm -hmm. point. And the you know the experience of uh, of working with people is an experience of. Um, people facing the stress of work every day. It might be a customer service agent who gets that angry customer. It might be a frontline leader whose who's employee um, is, you know, like is going through a divorce and is under, you know, expressing that distress. It could be any number of things. And so um, as a people leader, I've, I've enjoyed bringing my knowledge of psychology and mental health to the care and well-being of the people that I've been supporting who work for me over mm -hmm. the past few years. And then specifically working on um, building techniques with those folks on how to kind of preserve their strong, peaceful center, um, mm -hmm. even when that feels threatened. And that's the ego part of it is that understanding when, you're, uh, when, when your defense has been breached and you feel yourself responding in a way that is not proportionate to the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's incredibly valuable. I wish that were a core class in yeah. elementary through high school, through college, like this, that this theme of understanding how to deal with, because we're all going to have it. You, somebody can, you don't know what they're going through. We don't know what, what, the, what's going on in there every day. You know, they're, they're at work. They could be, they could have just gone experienced a death in their family and they're having this and this other stress packs on and they just call the customer support person and let them have it. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and I remember, and, and I, for whatever reason, I kept, they would, 
I mean, I, I, technically you can learn anything, right? So, so, but to have, I think a, a more empathetic approach to that person's plight at that time. And having worked, I also worked in data centers for a long time. I had to call customer service. And when I got bad service, it yeah. really, really sucked. Like I, I, I was just trying to get something to work that was not working. Um, so I, well, I, I wasn't the person who would rant and rave. Um, I have been on the phone with people who understood, and I, I appreciate this. And I remember this one person who called in and said, asked if I was a supervisor, to which I said, no. And he replied, I'm going to ask you to put your supervisor or manager on the phone because you don't get paid enough or deserve to be yelled at as much as I'm about to yell. Wow. <laughs> to which I said, one moment, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. And I got it. And my manager went into the and took the headset and went into the other office and sat there and got yelled at for ten minutes, or whatever. So, yeah. um, it's it it's rough. And I think so that in and I'll I'll say this in your professional opinion. Then, uh, would you uh, do for the tech for, for for technology and for all of us in the group? Would you say we're all kind of nuts? Is it all just bananas? <laughs> uh I'm going to go even beyond the tech sector. I think that the, so yes, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I will say, and I'm speaking from the perspective of an American today, as opposed to an, um, a citizen of, of another country where mm -hmm. I'm less familiar with what's happening there, but between the pandemic, we still don't, I, I believe we still don't know the long-term implications of the pandemic mm -hmm. um, and everything associated with it um, between that and the divisiveness that's that's real within the United States these days, I think that there is a level of stress that most adult Americans are managing that is beyond what we were managing, let's say three, four years ago, pre-pandemic and pre-crazy political times. So that means that our normal capacity for stress is already taken up at least in part by by the environment that we live in every day. And mm. oh, by the way, also global warming and the fact that it's super duper hot everywhere, right? Oh, so yeah. all of these circumstances put additional stresses on us. So then when, you know, you're stuck in traffic or, you know, you, I don't know, have a fender bender, all my traffic related metaphors, right. or you get in, a, in an argument at work, it all feels bigger because uh, of these other things. So the question, are we nuts? Which is to say, are we reacting out of context for the circumstances that we're in? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because the circumstances are so unusual and so unique. There's, we don't have a good path to understand how to react here. You know, I, I, I think that's true, but we certainly, this is not, we, we've gone through and global warming is something that may be unique for us, but, but pandemics aren't but they are unique in how we're able to communicate with each other now. Yeah. So, so while we, as a species, we've dealt with these like things of this nature, um, we haven't been able to voice it. Like the regular Joe on the street has a phone that gives him global voice. Yes. And, and, and a global way to say help. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm hoping that people are using those devices for, for, for that when they need to. I think I, well, gosh, I agree. And I, and I think that that's the other really interesting variable in all of this. We're, we're connected in ways that, you know, is also unprecedented. You know, we, I don't know about you, but 
<laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to date this this podcast in these next few statements. So, you know, <laughs> AI, ChatGPT comes out, yeah. AI comes yeah. out, and, and and I sat there and watched the news. I looked at it online, like, yeah, look at that. This machine seems to write like really compellingly in a way that I thought only humans could do. That's interesting, but I don't know what to do with it. So I just yeah. sort of close my laptop and step away. And then um, on the news, just in the in the last week or so, and honestly, I haven't been able to, even been able to process this. Some government person made a statement that that you know that there have been there's been evidence of aliens and UFOs, and that the government has not shared that. And I am paraphrasing dramatically. Right. I'm sure I didn't get it all because the truth is, as soon as I heard a glimmer of it, I was like, nope no room for that information <laughs> like everything else going on if the aliens are arriving they will have to take a number <laughs> yeah take it. yeah we, we yeah listen thank you I, I what was this thing on facebook that i saw that that what if ufos are just billionaires from other planets <laughs> okay that's the best thing ever all day <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because they're driving by. They're like, mm, nope, no, I'm going to land. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a exactly. So yeah, so there's ways in which I think, and maybe this is true in the, you know at the dawn of the 19th century as well. Maybe people, maybe the 19th, the 18 whatever o two um, podcasting duo that would have been Jonathan and Greg many years later. We're talking about the unprecedented times that, that they lived in. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's always the way. But gosh, it sure seems like this is a wacky time. So the alien thing, I just let, I thought, I'm not, I'm going to wait until that, like, they need to be knocking at the door before I give that even a top five slot at this point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and and there there are more pressing things to deal with right now. And, and, and honestly, and for you, for you to say, like, if someone were to say, yeah, they've been amongst us for a long time, I'm like, well, we're no better for it. So thanks. You know, you could well have. Said, yes. Honestly, you were there the whole time. Really? And th yeah. this is where we are right now. Superior intelligence. Yeah. yeah. We're, this is the best you could do. This is it. Get back in anyway. your saucer. Get back in your You get that side. Get out of here. <laughs> we don't want your kind. Yeah. Although it'd be cool to have them on the, uh, on the show for an interview, you know, just talk about like, hey, like, what do you eat for breakfast? It would be cool. And yeah. hey, actually, that leads me to a completely unrelated point. Because mm -hmm. I think we've got about, about I don't know, five, seven, ten minutes. Okay. Um, this has gone quick. But um, I cut you off. I'm shifting gears. Um, when is the right time to talk about the Mamasodes? I think it's right now. I think it's right now. I think it is now. right now. <laughs> and and after after all this talk about mental unwellness, I could use, I could use a little mama time. Little mama time. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell us, Jonathan, what are the mamasodes? Well, the mamasodes are, um, and and we'll, we'll release these. So while all of our Tasty Gents episodes are about half an hour, uh, these will be probably much shorter. So these will be right. like mini sodes, like a mini mamasode. And, yeah. and, and we're going to uh, interview our moms. And we're going to ask them some very simple questions. We're asking the same questions and and uh, and just get their their take on it, like in things like what was your favorite meal growing up as a kid, or and things like that. So keep an eye out for uh, for us to drop these. These will not be dropped uh, at the regular cadence. And so we we are. And I don't know if you've noticed this, everybody. We are now dropping these episodes on Thursday mornings instead of Tuesdays. We've shifted. So the mama suits will probably come out on a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And I will tell you, the reason that that comes up is that my mom is very excited 
for her monosodes. Oh. Um, I will tell you that I had to start the conversation with what is a podcast? Um, <laughs> my, my brother, so my mom lives in Florida. My brother lives uh, close. So he's going to actually uh, help help us get the monosode with my mom. But uh, he had a much better answer. He said, it's like a radio program. And yeah. so she completely got that. And I so I, he's going to play her a copy of tip copy, an episode of Tasty Gents um, this week. But she's very excited. She already knows some of the of the dishes she wants to talk about. So, oh, that's and I've incredible. not yet uh, brought it to my stepmother, but I know that she's going to love it as well. Yes, and we've got, uh, and and uh, on our side, I've got my mother Robin that we're going to, to to have, and she is actually in Seattle now, so we can have her live and make this yes. really fun. And then, of course, Andrea's mother Joan. Joan, I know you're listening. Can't wait to get that interview in with you as well. Okay. I love it. So yeah, so Mama Soads are coming, um, and I also love that word, so I keep saying it over and over. <laughs> um, so that was a little interlude. Uh, what else about ego? This was a really interesting thing to talk about today. And I love, yeah, you. I mean, there, you know, there's, there's, there's things about ego that, that, you know, people, people talk, if you say someone's got an ego, well, first, yeah. first off, we all have one and super ego and there's other types. There's like different flavors of ego. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? So there's so yeah. super ego. So within uh, Sigmund Freud's original research, original some of his research, he identified sort of three kinds of consciousness: um, id, id, ego, and super ego. And mm-hmm. and to be very very abrupt and probably even get it wrong, the id um, is typically our more primitive baser um, desires and impulses. Um, kids like toddlers tend to be all id. You know, I'm hungry. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to scream. Oh, sure. um, yeah. Super ego. Um, comes later in life um, and it is usually morality and conscience. It's uh, differences between good and bad, what I should do. And mm-hmm. the ego um, monitors, so the ego is the day-to-day, kind of monitors the the id and the superego to make sure that we don't um, go too far either way. Um, but, it, but in short, even in that model, the ego is sort of the way that we present and move in the world. Any number of Freudian psychologists are now flipping out over my really bad description. <laughs> I hope people please write in uh, and correct me um, be, for my yeah. my bad representation. Well, th- thank you for cl- for clarifying that. I, I didn't actually know the difference. Um, I just thought you know super ego just just your ego with a cape. But I think that the <laughs> again computer science Which degree I don't have a completely reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, but so it has kind of a negative connotation to say, to, to mention someone's ego or that person's got, got an ego. And I think that there's a mistake, there's a misconception or a misunderstanding between your understanding your ego and just being a pretentious jerk. Like that's not the same and that yeah. you, you can be full of yourself and still not have a healthy relationship with who you are. Right. In fact, oftentimes it's probably the case. Yeah. Um, so do you think that there's like how... Is, is the ego something to that we uh, should think about, look to improve upon? Is that an improving thing or is this something that we have and it just does its job? Well, it's something that we have. And, and, and you know, there's any number of ways to describe the human condition. And, and you know, the, I, I think ego comes from Freud's early work um, in describing the psyche as I just did. But, but it gets taken into popular culture in very different ways. And I think that the, that the way it often gets brought into popular culture in terms of, you know, he has an ego is um, a person who is um, not letting information in and only putting information out. Like I know what mm. I'm talking about. 
and I know this and I'm really good at this and I'm really good at that as, oppo as opposed to someone who, is, who has uh, maybe more a more permeable shield. I'm going to stick with this, this image of the shield. So yeah. we all do have an ego and, and it, it, it's job, as I said, it's job is to protect us. It, you know, when the, the fact is we all have sensitive spots, right? There's all, there's things about which we are all insecure and sensitive in whatever way we want to describe that. And so the ego is a, is a way that we interact with the world um, and, and as to protect ourselves, to keep ourselves, you know, sort of safe and not feel exposed. I don't know about you, but if I don't get enough sleep, I feel the, I feel like my emotions are really just at the surface. So yeah. I will watch, oh gosh, heaven forbid, I see one of those Super Bowl commercials with the Clydesdales and the dogs. Okay. <laughs> like I'm a wreck for it. <laughs> so, so when my emotions are just right there near the surface and I react emotionally to lots of different inputs, then my, that ego, that this is a, perhaps a different use of that word, but that, that ego, that, that self-preservation shield is not in place. Mm. If, if the only thing I have in place is that ego, I think that's when people notice that um, someone is full of themselves, again, only, only putting out information or energy and not bringing any in um, looks like full of themselves or looks yeah. like, um, um, yeah, looks like that. So, yeah, I, and, and of course, and, and it is, it is uh, just my luck. I, I typically, that's who I sit by on airplanes. Um, <laughs> and then you go, yeah, they go, it's, it, it's just nonstop. Here's my, so here's my tip for you. The next time that happens, um, mm -hmm. because it's fun to do the great thing about that person. Let's talk yeah. about the person who's having an ego moment uh, next to you on an airplane where she or he, and let's be honest, very often is more a he than a she, mm -hmm. not exclusively, but you know, very often. He is talking nonstop about himself and about maybe his work or his life or his whatever. And, there, you know, not only is there no ability for you to get a word in edgewise, um, you, you wouldn't be able to even if you could. So that's great. That means you have time to think about something else. So to take that moment <laughs> and think about what is the insecurity that this person is masking with this constant flood of, of talking. Mm. Maybe he's afraid of flying. And maybe mm -hmm. that, that fear of flying, rather than saying to you, hello, person I don't know, um, I'm really deathly afraid of this tin can in the sky. And, I, and that's not rational and yet it's what I'm feeling. Instead, it's uh, let me tell you about my last vacation and why I have a better life than yours. Um, right, right. So you've got the time, usually in those moments, to sort of think about like, what could possibly be the insecurity that is being masked by this display of ego? Hmm. And it's I love fun. it. Yeah, it's fun. It also allows us to be a different kind of compassionate. Which That's great. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, thanks, Greg. And now, and now I have I have something other besides just sitting there and fuming, I can actually work on my compassion. And and that's, that's something that, that I think is great. You, when, when, when presented with this, um, to be thankful for the opportunity to work on compassion, on patience, yeah. on all those things. Yeah. Wonderful. I think it's great too. And I would tell you, I talked a minute ago about the sort of these techniques you have when, when I recognize that my ego has been triggered when I recognize tension in my body and it's physical tension, teeth are clenched, maybe mm -hmm. you know, shoulders are clenched or, or start to pull in. Um, and I, and I said that, I think I said this, but you know, you, you identify and practice what your technique is going to be for not responding from that space. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it might be like, I got to go to the bathroom and you get away and you think and you process mine is to ask a question 
And the question I that I go to most commonly is, where do I think this is coming from? Um, mm. Either for this person or for me, like, oh, this is, this doesn't seem right. Um, that question, talking about the kid who was like, you know, if you could get a real job, you wouldn't be here with me. And well, that's no. an interesting question. Why would it, why would he ask that question? Yeah. You know, why would she go down that path? Or why am I feeling what I'm feeling? So um, asking a question in that moment is in fact my technique for not getting hooked by my own ego. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, uh, how, how are we doing on time, Greg? We are at are we, time. We're at time. We are okay. at time. Well, this has been the Jonathan and Greg therapy hour. Um, <laughs> thank you all for joining. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, uh, we take no responsibility for how you feel after this. Um, exactly. Yes. Please. Uh, yeah. Care for yourselves in all the right ways is what we want to say about that. That's what we want to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, great thing. Um, one, one note, and it's totally off topic. I said I was going to fill a little food in here. Um, I made my first cheesecake in the yeah. Instant Pot. Really? Yes. And it was simple. The recipe was, I, I, of course, I, whenever I'm doing a recipe for the first time, I'm methodical about my measurements and everything like that. The only yes. thing is I didn't have white sugar, so I used brown sugar and it tastes a little caramely. Caramely. Yeah. yeah but delicious. So, yes. but it set well. It came out well. Um, there is nothing but potential uh, in this. So I got that uh, is exciting. Although I will say that also feels exciting in the same way that it was exciting when I learned that I could make decaf coffee ice cream. Um, it was good for my, uh, caffeine reaction, but bad for my waistline. So I feel like knowing how to make instant pot cheesecake would not be good for me. I think I should probably, yeah. The next step is the high protein, low calorie cheesecake. Uh, all right. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I think you mean cottage cheese is what you're talking oh, about. Oh, is it cottage cheesecake? Yes. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, Greg, again, thank you. Great, great talk. Jonathan, as always, what a pleasure. All right. Okay, right, right. everyone, thank you. Goodbye. Hi, everyone. Thanks. You've been listening to Tasty Gents, a geeky Palm Springs to Seattle podcast. Okay, cue jingle. Cue jingle. There it is.